This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. Good afternoon, everyone. Well, what a miserable old day we're experiencing today. We've had such a beautiful fall to date, but you're not going to take the puppy out for a walk today, are you, Dave? No. Backyard, do your business, come back in, sit down. <laughs> Don't make the floors wet. <laughs> well, Friday, the provincial government released the long-awaited results of the teacher allocation review process. It's an examination, or sorry, an examination and reassessment of teacher allocations has been something that the teachers' union has been calling for for years. Teachers have long raised concerns about not only the size of classrooms, but the makeup of those classrooms, which can include a variety of physical, learning, behavioral, academic, emotional strengths and challenges. Well, Friday's report includes a long list of recommendations, 90 if memory serves, that look at a number of areas of concern. Well, here to discuss the findings and recommendations of that report is NLTA President Trent Langdon. Hello. Good afternoon, Linda. How you been? Great. So this has been an awful long time coming. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been well over a decade now that uh, government had committed to doing doing the review, and uh, it, it finally came down Friday. We we, we didn't realize it. we we were being told it was going to come soon, and uh, it arrived uh, Friday morning. So a lot of recommendations there, and I've uh, done my level best to peruse them all. I have to admit, not a lot of them uh, I understand fully. I'm not in the business, of course. Sure. But you are. A lot of recommendations there. Which, Which ones stand out to you? Yeah, well, first of all, it's it's been a very short period of time for us to even review it. We received it about, well, an hour before it was released to the public. Uh, and within that time frame, a, a three or four-hour turnover, we had to get a, a press release done on Friday and sent out. So between then and now, we've had a little bit more time, but still we're going to need uh, ample opportunity to really dig into this. But as you said, there's 90 recommendations, uh, 10 chapters of, of writing there. So uh, every recommendation is nuanced, so we want to make sure that we have every angle covered. But just to answer your question, Thank <clears throat> Uh, positively, I guess to start off there, uh, there is finally an acknowledgement uh, for the need for a hard cap in this province on class sizes. Uh, traditionally, it's been uh, a hard cap, which is then replaced with a soft cap, which is then you can add people on, but right now, or add students on, sorry, uh, uh, the recommendation is to have hard caps uh, in the K-9 system and uh, and then to have uh, a, a look at the, the needs that are, are within those classes, so the class composition piece. Uh, that's that in some ways is more of a significant issue because uh, you know numbers are one but if you have a very heavy classroom in terms of the need and the uh, and the support that's required um, uh, in some ways that that particular dynamic is more important than the numbers that are in the room uh, well indeed and I want to ask you about that so how did how would that get established how do you determine the needs in a particular classroom right so uh, as with any student support service uh, operation that takes place in a school, uh, there's documentation, obviously. So within the school, say you've got a school of uh, 600 kids or so, um, the documentation from the prior school or if the child is coming into the school, you do documentation or you look through their doc- documentation to see if they have an identified exceptionality, it's called. And what that might be, it might be a diagnosis of a mental illness. It might be a diagnosis of a learning disorder, of autism, uh, you know, the full gamut of, of whatever a student may be experiencing. So. So 
um, that comes into your school, and based on that, uh, you, you do your best with the allocation given to the school to to best service those children uh, within the classes. And specifically in this rec- one, of the recommendations related to that was uh, if if more than 25% of the students in a particular class has uh, an identified exceptionality, that the consideration be given to splitting the class, or that it must be split. So that's a significant recommendation that finally we're seeing some acknowledgement of uh, the needs that are in, in in those classes and meeting those needs. So you prior to this, you hadn't had that outlined so clearly. Yeah, exactly. So no doubt, uh, whenever uh, you start a school year, you, you're given your allocation, you try to balance out. You you know, as, as a former guidance counselor myself, worked hand-in-hand with uh, student sports services in the school. You uh, you look at your student assistant allocation, you look at your IRT allocation, uh, you, you see what's needed, you see how many students are in any, any individual class. And unfortunately, Linda, what's happened through the years is uh, it's been triaging, and we've had to service the, the kids with the most pressing or more, more acute issues from day to day. So your child who may struggle with uh, with staying on task and, and behaviorally may have be having difficulty in the class or there was uh, extreme needs uh, uh, of learning that a, that a child may have. Those individuals or those students are the students that get that chew up all the time. And when I say chew up, I don't mean that in a negative sense, sense but it's, you know, purely from a, a programming and a uh, allocation stance, it, it, it is using up that time. And then uh, your children that are able to function on their own but yet could use support but yet have exceptionalities were often being left to their own devices. And that's the worrisome part as teachers. We can't get to everybody like we, like we want to. So how did it happen prior to that? You know, there are certain teachers, of course, who, uh, um, you know, have a greater amount of uh, experience with uh, certain kids and that sort of thing, do they tend to gravitate towards those teachers and those teachers end up with more, you know, a higher ratio of kids with exceptionalities? Well, uh, yeah, and obviously you're, any teacher that's trained in the system as instructional resource teachers, which is your former, former special education teachers, they, they would be assigned to individual students. And it wouldn't be unusual for, say, uh, a specific IRT to have a caseload of 20 or 30 kids spread out through the school. You try to limit it to several classes such that they're not too spread out, and then they service. But within those classes, it's, uh, given the pressures on the system, it was not uncommon and still is not uncommon to put uh, several kids kids with, with uh, common needs or, or, or with needs such that we can we can maximize the service uh, capabilities within the school by at least having that IRT in the classroom and not having those children spread over every class. So uh, it's either watered down the service and, and the child sees the IRT once a week or is combine a bunch of the students together such that 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 teacher is in with that classroom teacher more often and that there's a TLA there and so on or a teaching and learning assistant. So it's it's been very much about how do we make things work with, with what we have. Our guest today on On Target is Trent Langdon. You just started touching on some of the uh, the positive, I guess, recommendations that you've seen in the report, and I want you to continue on with that and sure. talk about some of the areas of concern as well when we come back right after this. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Our guest today is NLTA President Trent Langdon, and we're talking about the teacher allocation review, the results of which and the recommendations which were released on Friday. And Trent, you mentioned that it uh, it's, uh, firmly states a hard cap for the K-9 system and also sets a limitation on uh, the percentage of uh, students in a classroom with exceptionalities, making up that uh, classroom composition that the NLTA has been talking about forever so long. So what else do you see there as positive? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, 
it's it's very reassuring to, to know finally there's there's another source that says that this is that this is needed in the system, not just teachers speaking out uh, individually and the association speaking out. Uh, just a couple other additional things uh, that are certainly positive uh, if 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 we look at introducing them are overall reductions in in class sizes. You know, I'd mentioned uh, hard class caps, uh, not just respecting the class cap, but also a reduction in uh, in certain classes depending on what grade level it is. Uh, so that, that's an interesting piece. The other is uh, a recommendation for increased resourcing uh, for guidance counselors, meaning more uh, more guidance counselors in the system, more administrative time, and more uh, instructional resource or special education teachers. All, all very positive and, again, completely in line with what we would be uh, hoping for. In some capacities, not as high as we would like, but certainly a recognition of, of, of the need. So when it comes to the overall reduction in class sizes and the class caps, how do they differ from what's currently happening? Yeah, for sure. So I've, uh, in comparing them to what was once, or still, I should say, still currently is the system, our uh, wishful thing there on my part, uh, it's, uh, is that you can see, if you look at the numbers, say, for, for what kindergarten might expect and so on, under me, uh, and you compare it to the, to the chart for that currently exists, there might be a reduction of one or two students per grade level. Uh, so that's, that's how you would see it in the report. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, you mentioned increased resources for counselors. Will that help take some of the burden off of teachers as well? Uh, yeah. So. Uh well, we, we've been we've been really pushing the the mental health piece in this province for years, and uh, uh, any anything we can do to assist uh, classroom teachers, and uh, and what I mean by that is the guidance counselor plays a huge role in the system in terms of uh, referral, and uh, and making sure that the connection liaison is there with along with the administration with the families, uh, and uh, there's been such a heightened level of need in the system that, uh, that we you know we certainly applaud that recommendation for sure. So um, many of your concerns in regards to class caps and, and composition have been uh, acknowledged here, but it, the problem remains with, I guess, recruitment and retention. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. And there have been some recommendations within there that support that as well. Certainly within our remote and rural and isolated areas. Uh, ultimately, uh, Linda, there needs to be some incentivization of of uh, attracting people to this these parts of the province, uh, and there needs to be ways of limiting and getting rid of the barriers that, that currently exist. So, and I've said in a previous interview with you, as far as I can recall, that uh, for example, housing continues to be a significant issue, and I'll use Labrador West as an example of that. Um, housing and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, uh, the cost of travel in and out of isolated areas, uh, access to services in those areas, uh, relocation costs, all of that type of thing really puts up barriers. So it's to incentivize someone going there, but also trying to limit and cut back on those barriers. Recru uh, recruitment and retention, the, the minister has already said, that's his, his priority. And we've met with him in the past on that, and, and we're looking to do the same in the near future. Uh, there needs to be a definitive action plan for it, for sure. I noticed in this particular um, set of recommendations that the collective bargaining process is mentioned repeatedly throughout the recommend cha recommended changes. And I suppose it has to be because a lot of these changes require, you know, consultation with the union. But uh, one of the recommendations outlines the development of a new policy for the placement and hiring of teachers and teaching assistants based on merit rather than seniority. So how does it currently work? Yeah, so uh, they're, 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 it's very misleading actually right now what, what the, uh, the public discussion is around teachers and, and seniority hiring. 
hire. Seniority hire doesn't exist in this province for teachers. I'll outright state that. There is a clause within our collective agreement, however, where there's such thing as seniority transfer, and that only applies, I'll make the statement here, it only applies for a permanent teacher who wants to transfer into another permanent position. Uh, but even then, the the, um, the employer has the opportunity to, uh, to assess uh, suitability and capability and so on. So it's not a straight-up seniority hire in this province. It's a, it's a one clause within our collective agreement that allows for seniority transfer of from permanent position to permanent position. And we view that as a very positive thing. You know, if you've got people who, I'll give you an example, we, we hear of a, a, a long-time teacher who may be in a smaller area, wants to look at moving to a larger area, um, uh, or wants to move closer, back closer to family. It's, it's a really a great option for them. And uh, and we, we very much consider time served in, in teaching roles as being very beneficial to uh, to knowledge of the system and, and your ability to teach. So that's that piece. But also, uh, we've also... And I, uh, there, there's been mention in other other jurisdictions, mostly in the U.S. and other parts of Canada, of uh, of how um, uh, you know you, you look at the overall qualifications of the teacher. And, and the school districts here, by the way, are, are looking more and more and more into the qualifications piece versus, uh, say, the time served. And uh, I will argue that. Uh, um, and it's been proven just recently Memorial University uh, has made statements that we are one of the most highly credentialed teaching forces in the country. Uh, we have a very high percentage of teachers with, with master's degrees. So anytime qualifications are, are thrown out there as, as not being important at this point, or, or, or I should say that the seniority transfer is interfering with that, uh, you know, qualifications are still very much uh, considered important. Any other areas of concern? Yeah, it's uh, just just the lack of, uh, uh, I guess, consultation that took place for us during the initial parts of the review. Prior to this, we felt very much we were consulted, but now that we see a lot of collective agreement issues being brought into this report, we very much feel that um, the committee is venturing outside uh, the, the terms of reference for the for the uh, for the committee. Uh, it's uh, it, it's worrisome from that end. These are collective bargaining issues that are discussed and, and decided at the collective bargaining table. And once they're thrown into the mix with with these uh, with these recommendations, it, it's not it's not the place for them. And uh, we we would have valued an opportunity upfront to have been told that these issues may have been considered, and we would have uh, we would have approached it much differently. Our guest today on On Target is the president of the NLTA, Trent Langdon. We're talking about the teacher allocation review report, which was released on Friday. We'll be back right after this. Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great, the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM. And our guest today is NLTA President Trent Langdon. We're talking about the Teacher Allocation Review Committee's report, which was released on Friday. And there's an awful lot there. Um, uh, Student assistants that are needed in the classroom. Uh, Some recommendations made there. And um, that the positions be assigned as year-long appointments. What is, without the option, I'm sorry, to move schools during the year, will that make a difference? How does it work now? Well, again, you know, the bottom line is we would support uh, a greater allocation of student assistance time because right now, uh, I think upon review, they're recommending just to keep current levels. That's number one because uh, as teachers, uh, even though they're a different bargaining unit than us, we very much value the student assistant in, in the classroom and, and their role is essential. Uh, but with regards to uh, how they're allocated in the schools and so on, it's uh, there is a, a capability for movement and so on, and, and that consistency piece is huge for schools and, and especially for individual students to have that consistency 
consistent face to know that that person is assigned to that to that uh, building for the year. You know, those types of things really do benefit the system and benefit the individual children. Uh, any parent out there who's the parent of a of a, of a child with with significant needs uh, knows the value of a student assistant, especially one that really understands a child and gets to know th- that there's a trust level there between the two. Uh, it's it's it can make or break a child really in many ways. So any any way of tightening up that system to ensure consistency is uh, we very much support that piece. It also mentions teaching units for those with um, who are blind or visually impaired or deaf or hard of hearing, and that's come to the fore in recent um, months. So what do you make of that? Yeah, and I, I guess uh, to, to do, there was another piece there. We would have liked to have seen, there is there is some pieces within it, but we would have liked to have seen uh, a greater uh, allocation recommended for uh, for those specialist positions. Uh, you know, ideally, uh, we would have seen an increase in, in the uh, psycho, uh, educational psychologist uh, allocation, uh, blind and visually impaired, like you said, uh, deaf and hard of hearing. Uh, all of these positions bring with them such a unique specialty that uh, if your caseloads are, are accepted, you really can't get to the root of really supporting individual children. And we do know full well that the public system is overwhelmed. Uh, so when you look at referral outside, uh, children are waiting and families are waiting for, for months and months and months, uh, not just mental health-wise, but in terms of specific services otherwise. So the uh, the therapy role that takes place within the schools is essential, certainly in uh, uh, rural and remote areas. Uh, so it's uh, we, that's one area that even though we've seen a uh, recommended increase in guidance and, and admin, those uh, with educational psychology, uh, blind and visually impaired, and deaf and hard hearing, those uh, specifics, uh, SLP, we would have much preferred to see higher recommendations there. It also, the report also suggests uh, a formal evaluation of a reading specialists to determine the effectiveness of the program. Have, have there been um, concerns there? Uh, I, for for those I've spoken with, the reading specialists, they, they love their work. i got to be honest with you. And for those teachers who've had uh, the ability to have those reading specialists in with them, great. The problem lies in this, Linda, is that the reading specialists are not getting to be able to do the work that they're supposed to be doing. Uh, given the shortage of teachers right now, given um, uh, the coverage issues, given uh, the lack of substitutes, as I said, um, our, our specialists are the people that are again pulled to cover off teachers when they, they're unable to be in the building. So, for example, it's not uncommon for a guidance counselor to be pulled for the day to cover a teacher. It's not uncommon for the reading specialists. And those people are being pulled because they're not assigned, per se, a class. So if a teacher who has a class of 30 is not there, um, well, we're going to have to pull someone who's not directly assigned. So the effectiveness of the reading specialist is nowhere near what it should be. Uh, in theory and in philosophy, yeah, absolutely. Reading specialists, same with literacy, numerous whatever it might be all of those things are essential but right now there's so much heaviness in the system with basic operations uh, that these types of programs aren't aren't really uh, gelling as we'd like to see them and of course that brings us I suppose to the whole issue surrounding uh, substitute teachers and of course that came to the fore last week with the problems that you've yeah, outlined absolutely. with smart find so yeah. for our listeners what exactly is smart find and, and how does it work Right. So SmartFind is an automated call-in system, and it's, it's it's not unusual throughout the country to have this type of system. It actually exists, to my knowledge, in, in the majority, if not all, the provinces and territories. Um, we just recently met with our Atlantic Canadian counterparts in Nova Scotia uh, and the other Atlantic provinces, and, and Nunavut was there actually as well. And we, we tried to get an update as to how things were going, and they were able to work out the bugs. So the problem right now is there's, there's too many bugs in our system. Uh, there's no consistency as to um, who may be called into uh, to 
substitute for a day. There's been a lot of glitches, a lot of problems, uh, people uh, having offers rescinded just moments after they've accepted a job for the day, um, getting to a school and there may not even be a job available when they were they were booked as such. Um, but also to go back to the consistency piece, uh, we're hearing from administrators and, and from uh, 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 teachers, full-time teachers, that there's no consistency. Uh, if you're if you're out for a period of time, uh, the the ability to override the system to to make sure that there's some consistency in the same person being there is is, is not as uh, there's not as much flexibility as there once was. So uh, to have multiple subs in there uh, and to go back to our students with special needs, uh, those students. Um, uh, you know, our, our neurodiverse students that are in the buildings, uh, you know, they rely so heavily uh, on the importance of a familiar face and, and, and reciprocally for those people to know their needs. Uh, and so that, that's the problem. There's, there's, uh, there's, no, there's not enough balance here. It's almost too prescriptive that you need a sub, boom, we'll take this person and pull it in uh, no matter who they are. And um, this, this system, we're, this is a human business we're in. I'll call it a business, but it's a human business. It's education. And we're in the human field. And to be just randomly picking people and throwing them in, we very much support as an association equity in hiring uh, and giving people opportunities. Uh, but within that, there has to be a balance of um, of getting the, the 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 best people in there at any given time to keep the, the consistency in the building. Uh, it does reduce workload for some administrators. They're not on the line all night long trying to to book subs. Uh, but within that, there there are opportunities to improve it. So how do you input that kind of data, or or does sure. it need to be scrapped and and go back to the old model? Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that we got to get rid of smart fine because it's proven itself in other provinces, and I've heard from administrators who like it, they see value in it. They just our administrators just need more ability to to have some flexibility to do what's right for their building, and they know their buildings best. And so an example would be. Uh, to have a continuity list, and what I mean by that is, say, and this is this has worked in other provinces. Uh, every teacher, say, would have three individuals that they know knows their class, that they are trained in the areas that they need, uh, and there's some history there uh, to as as the top three on their list. That if they're not in in school that day, once those three have been exhausted, and and that, either one of those three can't come in, you then go to the larger pool. So that kind of uh, opportunity for consistency uh, is it, not a perfect system, but what we've been hearing from other provinces is that. Uh, it's 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 balanced itself out, and the flexibility is there enough to give educators and and our administrators uh, the discretion they need to best run their schools every day. And like you say, that consistency that's necessary for some students. Um, you know, lots of kids uh, uh, thrive under consistency, but <clears throat> for for particular students who really really do need it. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, again, it's uh, that familiar face when you walk in, but also knowing the intricacies of every every student is, is, a virtual, is virtually impossible. But I can tell you, you don't have to be working with a child very long before you know what works. You know certainly what doesn't work. Uh, but it, certainly our, our students with, with special needs, like I said, and exceptionalities, but also just think about even the uh, our K-3 population. Uh, kindergarten to grade 3 is a very uh, important time where trust and, and comfort is, 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 is essential to learning. Uh, and every second day, you've got a different face and that face has got to get so it's just that consistency would be so valuable k to 12 but certainly k to 3 and, and in our special services areas so uh, is smart fine working is it not working uh, how can it be fixed is the teachers union part of that solution how does that work right so it's 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 
working but not working well, and that's the best way I can explain it. There, there still needs to be fixes. Uh, most recently, NLASD has agreed to, uh, because initially we had a collective agreement issue where our part-timers were not getting topped up and weren't giving priority for that sub-time. Say they were 25% and they needed that uh, extra time just to make it if worthwhile to do the 25%. Why not give them the sub-time? So that has now changed based on some advocacy that we've been doing, and uh, they've, uh, NLASD has agreed to that. Uh, but there's, again, those uh, that continuity list is essential for us. Um, uh, our, our administrators need to have more flexibility to, to make it work for their buildings. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not here saying that smart fine needs to be thrown out, uh, like I said, because we've done our homework and we've, we've checked in with our counterparts across the country, and, and they're there. There are benefits, but there's certainly significant uh, fixes that need to happen. Tell us about these payroll problems now that some teachers are encountering. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that one up. Uh, out of everything we've talked about today, Linda, this is the one thing that uh, uh, the government of Newfoundland and Labrador needs to fix ASAP. Anybody that's listening out there right now uh, who receives a paycheck of any sort knows the importance of getting your pay on time. And this is work that's already been done. So we've had circumstances where people have been hard in July and have just recently gotten paid. We've had circumstances where subs have, have documented their time and, and and you're not getting paid in a timely manner. Manner, They're calling us. They're worried. They have mortgages to pay. They have car payments. Some of them are single parents. Uh, it's, it's just not good enough. And, you know, to, to, in this day and age, to blame it on a system that is just can't be reprogrammed or a, a check can't be cut in time, uh, of everything we discussed today, this is the most basic of, of, of any society. If you do work, you should get paid for it, unless you're a volunteer, obviously, and none of our teachers are volunteers. So what's happening here? Is it similar to what we saw in the, in the uh, federal public service with the, um, I forget the name of that program now that caused so much trouble? But is it a similar thing to that, or why aren't people getting paid when they should be getting paid? You know what, Lynn? I don't have an answer. I've been told there's problems and, and there's mistakes happening. Uh, that are I, heard, I spoke with a teacher who was has been a permanent teacher for the last 10 years, and now is all of a sudden recorded as being a part-time teacher on the West Coast, and, and they teach full-time here in town. So it's it's those glitches, it's those mistakes, and a seemingly non-willingness to, to fix the problem. And, and uh, we've even said, look, can you do cash advances? In some cases, there's been cash, cash advances. But even those advances are delayed. So that's, that's, that doesn't even make sense that if you, that's the whole point of, of an advance, you get the money in advance in time. There's no reason why. And I've heard that in, in uh, Eastern Health and in, other, uh, uh, in the healthcare sector that if someone doesn't get paid, you can be cut a check and you get it in a couple of days. And then you worry about the, uh, balancing it out later. It's not good enough right now, Linda. And, and that, it just hits morale in this province when the very basic uh, idea or tenant of being part of a uh, or being an employee is that you get paid on time. How many teachers are we talking about? Well, I, I wouldn't be able to give you an exact number right now, Linda, but on, on the weekly here, I would say we hear from five to ten teachers every every week. Is that right? So yes. different teachers yeah. every week or yeah. Yeah. the same yeah. ones? No, it, well, sometimes it may be, you know, one or two of them might be the same because they still haven't gotten paid. But there's a real, um, there's, they're so worried out there right now, some of these. And talk about re recruitment and retention. If we have individuals that can't guarantee your paycheck, along with all the other layers of issues of not getting a call like you should through the smart find system or the, uh, feeling overloaded in their classroom with so many needs in front of them, you can understand why morale might be low. And I would argue right now. Morale is at an all-time low in this province, and it's it's got to do with the, the levels of, of disrespect that's, that's uh, in, in the system right now. Our guest today on On Target is NLTA President Trent Langdon. We'll be back right after this.
Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. Our guest today on On Target is NLTA President Trent Langdon, and we're talking um, about some of the issues teachers are facing in Newfoundland and Labrador, and in particular, the Teacher Allocation Review Committee report, which was released on Friday. And I see quite a number of recommendations here, Trent, for the Center for uh, Distance Learning and Innovation, which is uh, an area that uh, I know MHA um, Leela Evans in Torngat Mountains has raised numerous times. Yeah, absolutely. And, and talk about, uh, uh, I guess, a bright spot for, for COVID in this province. CDLI proved itself. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, uh, well-advanced type system of, of offering uh, online service to, to students. And uh, that, that's been in place in this province for years, and it's a very reputable service. Uh, in addition to that, there was some, some strong virtual uh, education going on during COVID. So uh, to go off to, uh, to Layla's uh, point there, absolutely, there's, there's opportunity to furly, further expand expand uh, opportunities for, for our students that are living in remote and rural um, uh, and certainly isolated. Uh, it's, uh, it, is, it is the way of the world right now. Should it replace uh, face-to-face? Uh, if face-to-face is possible, absolutely not. Uh, we, we certainly wouldn't support that. But if there are opportunities to, to I guess, level the playing field, isn't, isn't that the case for, for our students that may not have immediate access? Um, the other angle with that, Linda, is, uh, is the opportunity for online mental health support. Um, it's, there's no excuse right now as to why a student should not be able to access uh, counseling supports or psychology supports uh, with uh, with the virtual world that we're living in. I, I do understand that broadband and, and so on is is is, uh, is hurt, hurting in a lot part, many parts of the province, certainly in Labrador. Um, but to, to get those students to uh, to, to reliable uh, points where they, they can access those services, CDLI is, is certainly uh, one of those angles. What are uh, members saying about this report? Uh, again, very <laughs> it's fresh off the presses, uh, and, and again, we just received it on Friday, uh, and uh, trying to weed our way through it. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, our teachers are offended uh, by uh, the, the reference to the collective agreement uh, and, and the implications uh, that are being uh, uh, touted within. Uh, in terms of uh, the terms of reference uh, that were covered, that they were, that was supposed to be covered within the report uh, around class size, around uh, teacher allocations being approved, uh, very positive. Uh, so it's it's a very divisive document in that way, in that you got one hand where things are looking very very strong, and uh, I was very pleased to read that. But then all of a sudden, uh, my mood switched as I started realizing that uh, uh, this uh, this uh, report was taken as an opportunity to to get uh, collective bargaining issues in there, which is not the place for it. So you mentioned off the top that uh, when this first started, there was a fair bit of consultation. But yeah. having read through, you realize, uh-oh, the consultation may not necessarily have been here. Uh, what happens now? Yeah, so now uh, we take, uh, obviously, recommendation by recommendation and, and, and keep pushing. Uh, uh, there, there are a lot of positives here, and this is this is about the students, number one. We, we, we support students because uh, a strong education system for teachers is a strong education system for students and vice versa. So uh, overall, and as teachers, uh, uh, a good many of us have family members that are in the system, students uh, uh, who are your children, your, your nieces, nephews, your grandchildren. So uh, teachers are, are very connected to making a system or or building a system in this province that is good for everyone. Um, and so as teachers, we, we've got to continue to push. Um, 
as you know, these are just recommendations. We need now for government to step up and say we are going to take these recommendations uh, um, and, and move on them from a student stance, and we are going to uh, uh, deal with any collective bargaining issues at the collective bargaining table, and, and, and that's where both will be, uh, will be discussed. Will the recommendations contained in this uh, report help with recruitment and retention, do you think, down the road? Uh, well, again, there were some specific recommendations, as, as you had referenced, that uh, that focused directly upon recruitment and retention. And this, this is a, a big um, approach and a big strategy that needs to be developed. In, in our most recent meeting with the minister, uh, he was very much on side with, uh, with the development of a strategy of recruitment and retention. And, and, and I realize fully that we're not, not the only group. You're talking nurses. You're, you're talking uh, doctors. It's 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 a big a big issue. And, and and but on the other side of it too, we have such a unique province here that uh, we can be a draw for a lot of uh, prominent, uh, strong, capable uh, working people out there who want to come here and make this their home. But we also have to be a little bit more creative and train people where they are. And to go back to Leela Evans, we've we've met with her in the past and said, look, we need to get people trained in Labrador who want to be teachers. Train them there. They're more likely to. Uh, to stay in Teaster if they're from there, rather than as opposed to pulling people in uh, from a different province or a different part of the province. So it's uh, we, we've got to be creative that way and take some risks. Let, let's see what we can do. Let's uh, let's see how we can support further Memorial University to, to increase the number of graduates that are coming out of there, um, but also to to build a system that is supportive of everybody in it, and that's the students and the teachers, and, and to make it one that is, uh, uh, you know, when I started teaching uh, the profession, it, it certainly changed. In, in the 20-plus years that I've been teaching, uh, it, it's, it's not comparable in any way. And uh, the pressures that are there need, need to be addressed and need to be uh, reflected in any strategies that uh, are developed moving forward. We're nearing the end of October now. We're six, uh, six weeks in so far into the school year. Anything starting to come to the fore? Uh, again, it's it's day to day here, Linda. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it was last week was smart find, and all of a sudden we hear the teacher allegation review comes down. We've been waiting for this for a long time. We're very excited it's here. Uh, again, there's you, you would have heard from my previous comments. There's parts that we're not pleased with, um, but as as a province, we got to move forward with this. Every single uh, family in this province has again as a child or a, a family member that is in the system, and and whether you do or, or you don't, every community benefits from from having a strong education system because 20 years down the road our education or our sorry our emergency rooms will be less filled our uh, our justice system will be less tied up uh, the the social determinants of health are deeply connected to a strong education system and uh Step by step, we got to try and fix that. But you know, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that solution with government. Uh, we're not we're not pleased with some parts of these recommendations, but I've already outlined to the minister and to to the school districts. So I, me myself, but also the association and our provincial executive, we want to work hand in hand with the other groups to to make some some valuable changes that are are for the good of all. How is the school system adjusting to living with COVID? Yeah, you know what? It's there's there's not been a whole lot of discussion, and as it's surprisingly so, and I'm really pleased to know that. But again, it's still there, and uh, uh, we we still have some individuals that are, are still quite concerned about the uh, the the transfer within, and you know we're heading we're well we're certainly into flu season, uh, and it's it's we always got to keep that in the back of our minds. I think we if anything we've all become more aware of our proximity to people and our and the importance of washing your hands and and, and so on. Uh, but in terms of it being 
uh, if you had asked me that question last year this time, it w- uh, that would probably have chewed up the majority of our discussion, whereas uh, right now it's uh, it's seemingly the, the last issue uh, that we're talking about today, and, and, and I'm, I'm pleased to be able to say that. A teacher starting to find it feeling a little bit more like going back to normal, maybe? Yeah, I, I, I hesitate with the normal word. I think most people do. Uh, it, again, we have, have some members who are still wearing their masks fully. We need to respect those individuals in, in those settings. Uh, as society, society seems to be moving on. Uh, individual families are doing what they need to do, and we need to respect those individuals. Uh, so within it all, we need we need to try and find a way to uh, to keep operations uh, moving forward. Uh, given the shortage of of teachers in the province and the shortage of substitutes, uh, uh, and by the way, we we still have several schools in this province that still have, don't have their full complement. I heard from a teacher today on the Northern Peninsula that's still short three teachers. Uh, it's still not hard. So uh, it's it's that's that's where we are as a province, and we can't afford to be impacting operations any further by poor health choices. And what about those extracurricular activities? I think that's what really uh, helps schools feel more like schools, if you will. You know, that that student life that, uh, you know, we all remember so well. 100%. And uh, I've always been an advocate for, for extracurricular and, and anything up and above the academic piece that, that makes a, a, a child feel connected within within the school setting. And our teachers value it as well. And uh, it's uh, if, if they're, to go back to the normal word again, if, if we've ever been, it's as close to normal as we've been in the last three, four years. And uh, that's a very positive statement to be able to make. And I, I really hope uh, that uh, we're able to keep this moving forward uh, and that we can focus on these other issues and that uh, uh, the world will uh, pandemic does not uh, come back uh, again to, to really start interfering. Oh, fingers crossed. And now the yeah. new bivalent vaccine is out there for people who are eligible. So uh, hopefully uh, this season won't be so see too many interruptions. Any final thoughts? Overall, Linda, you know, I, we always appreciate the opportunity to come on. This this type of, uh, of forum really gives us an opportunity to really dig into some of the issues. It's very nuanced. To keep education in the public dialogue is, is so important for us as an association, but I think it's to everybody's benefit. Every single child that comes through, every Newfoundland and Labrador child that comes through is going to benefit if our stronger, if our system is stronger uh, and, and our society is going to be better for it. So, uh, you know, to keep this in, at the forefront of public discussion is very important important, so we appreciate it. Trent Langdon, really appreciate your time. I'm sure as uh, you continue to drill down into these recommendations, uh, things will come to the fore. Always feel free to give us a call. Thanks so much. Thank you, Linda. And uh, that's uh, our show for today. Try to stay dry out there, folks. It's uh, really kind of wet and miserable. And keep your speeds down on the highway because there's a lot of water buildup. And with kids on the subject of schools walking home from school and walking home from the bus stop keep your speed down try not to splash them i know it can be easy sometimes when you're driving along and you realize "Uh oh there's a dip in the pavement there sploosh and someone gets doused um anyway be mindful of all of that uh take care everyone we'll be back tomorrow thanks for listening